Welcome into Brewcast for Maze and Brew on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I am Luke Giardi, joined as always by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani. Here with you Monday, Tuesday night, February 16th. We got pushed a day here this week. We're with you on Tuesday, February 16th, headed into Wednesday, uh, February 17th. And we've got a lot to get to here on Brewcast. I know Anthony and Chris have talked a little bit about it on the Hoops podcast, but uh, we got to talk about that win against Wisconsin on Sunday after the 23-day layoff. We'll look at what's ahead uh, for Michigan Hoops here. We have some news uh, regarding the Michigan football team with some uh, kids transferring out. We'll uh, get the thoughts, particularly from Anthony. He knows a, a lot about what's going on with that situation. But before we get into it all, guys, what's going on? Good to be back with you here this week. Good to be back. You know, every uh, it's it's weird that extra day. There's like a little extra pep in my step today, so I can only speak for myself. But uh, maybe it's the longer weekend. Maybe it's the fact that I didn't do anything today because well, other than clear snow, I got about a foot of snow here. But uh, yeah, feeling good. Good to be back. Excited about hoops. Even you know, the further we get away from that game on Sunday, the more impressive it is. And I don't. Chris and I talked about it in the hoops pod, but I think certainly think there's more to pull apart from that. And as we kind of take a step back and and really look at the big picture and and reassess some of our expectations here. Yeah. I got, I got a pep in my step too, because last I checked where we still cover the best team in the big Ten, And that's, that's not, that's not a bad place to be right now. And and we'll, we'll discuss that, you know, in, in full, but yeah, I mean, I, well, I'll, I'll lay off a little bit. I'll just say that, I made a lot of pretty pretty bold statements in the hoops pod, and uh, to quote uh, Conor McGregor, I apologize uh, to absolutely no one. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I I take back nothing that I said, and I, and I'm excited to to cover it again tonight. I, I don't know how you could feel anything other than excited about what you saw on Sunday. I mean, the last time we talked about hoops, we started kind of looking into that game. You know, we said what. Pretty much everyone was thinking. I mean, the team was going to be rusty, and we weren't wrong. The team came out; they were rusty. Uh, it wasn't the same team that we saw prior. It wasn't the same team we saw against Purdue, uh, which was the last game that they played. And the fact that Michigan was able to go on the road in the Cole Center, by the way, uh, where Michigan has not been very good throughout the years, and I understand it's not the same with no fans. I get it, but you still got to go into the Cole, into Wisconsin, who's really good at home, by the way, still even without the fans. You're down 12 at halftime. You can't make a shot, and they're going crazy on the offensive end. I mean, Ford, what do you average, nine points a game coming in? He had like 15 in the first half. The dude could not miss. And, I mean, everything is working against you. And then Brad Davison does a Brad Davison thing. You know, I despise him as a human being despise him and that's strong that's a strong statement. it is no it is I, I i can't hide my feelings for it i'm not going to sugarcoat it i'm not going to pretend like i like the guy at all um but he did, you did guard something. him though i'm probably not especially not anymore <laughs> uh really not anymore for sure uh i might have stood a chance back in the day but I, I don't probably not anymore uh especially when he's throwing elbows like that but um I mean, it was just, it, it seemed like a thing that ignited the team and the, the fact that they just persevered, you know, was, it was truly stunning. And for my money, most impressive win of the year. I mean, 
They beat the hell out of Wisconsin before on the 43 to six run that, you know, uh, whooped up on Minnesota and, and Northwestern and beat a bunch of ranked teams and had these really impressive games that the 23 day layoff, you can't make a shot in the first half down 12 at the gold center at Wisconsin to come back and win that game. Easily the most impressive win of the season might be the most impressive win I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that's where I'm at. That that's what I said. You know, you you said most impressive win of the year, and I said on the hoops pod most impressive win of a lot of years. I mean, what this team went through, and, and I I said it on the hoops pod, but I'll say it again. I was going to give them a mulligan for uh, honestly because I've we've seen good teams and we've seen bad teams have long COVID breaks and come back and play like garbage. Villanova went through it. You know, let you know lesser teams in the Big Ten have gone through it, and I just there was something about this win in particular that I think made a lot of people kind of take a step back and say, okay, it's time. It's time. The ceiling gets readjusted here uh, for this basketball team because they play, they are playing at such a high level and not like Luke, you, I mean, you semi called it here when, when you said that, Hey, you know what? They're probably, they're going to miss a lot of shots. The guys on this team that are capable of scoring will probably be rusty out of the gate, but uh, COVID doesn't affect size. It doesn't affect defense. It doesn't affect technique. And what you saw in the second half was a team capable of grinding. Wisconsin was seven for 28 from the floor in the final 20 minutes of that game. They didn't make a field goal for the last several minutes. And every time, you know, there's, there's sometimes a basketball where you, you need a possession, you need a bucket, but there's also on the other end, there's sometimes where you need a stop. And every single time Michigan needed a stop, they got one. And sometimes it was, it was Brooks at the top of the key guarding Trice. Sometimes it was Dickinson down low, you know, a, a brick wall down there and pulling in 15 rebounds. It was, it was such an impressive effort. And, and several days later, I'm just as giddy about it as I was when the game ended on Sunday, I'm, I just, the way this team's going and the confidence that they play with, you know, it's the circumstances surrounding this season have affected this, but man, it's, it's some of the most fun I've had watching a team in the in a while. Like I, I think, I, I don't care if this team's got to play in, in a backyard somewhere with a foot full with a, you know, two feet of snow. I like their chances against a lot of teams right now. And I think what's even more you know impressive is I think they like their chances against a lot of teams. I brought this up in the hoops pod where I think that 2018 team didn't know how good they were until maybe March, you know, maybe the second Michigan state game. I think this team early on detected that if they stay together, if they, if they play their best basketball, uh, can be a pretty special unit here. And, you know, we know how cruel March can be, but it, we, we could say that about any team ever. We could say, hey, they're capable of, of screwing up in March. In the moment right now, there has not been a team in the country's most competitive conference that has been as impressive and as surprising as Michigan has. I mean, there's a lot of people who thought Wisconsin, given the fact that they have, you know, the average age of you know 32 years old in their starting lineup, thought that this could be a team that's going to the Final Four. Michigan has beat them twice. One time they ran them out of the gym. They won a 23-point game that was actually less close than the final score indicated, and they just went on the road and beat them again after trailing by 14. I just yeah, Several days later, I'm every bit as excited as I was uh, when that game ended. Yeah, it's one of those games that they flexed what I've referred to it in the last number of days as championship DNA. It, it's You learn a lot more about a team – when they do what Michigan did on Sunday, than when they do what they did against Wisconsin a month ago, or you beat them by 40. Cause any games like that can happen in a vacuum. Wisconsin's a good team, but to come out and to get punched in the mouth and it's, 
they look to step slow on both sides of the floor. We talked about that, but they never, they were still playing hard. You could tell it was a team, not just not going through the motions, but they were going through it a little bit, just trying, just finding themselves again. I mean, you don't play, you don't touch a basketball in three weeks. I don't care if you're LeBron James or Michael Jordan, like you're going to come out and not look like yourself. And it speaks to their, in something we didn't address in that show the other day, you know, this, this is a basketball team that on any given night, and we have talked about this before, has five or six guys who can pull their name out of a hat, and that's the guy that's going to be the guy that night. But Sunday was we – had, we had said a few times that Isaiah, Isaiah Livers has kind of quietly, maybe not so quietly uh, in recent weeks, uh, recent games, been Michigan's best player. And when you are in a hole, your best player needs to, you know, those guys sometimes just need to superstar their way out of it. And it took a massive effort for him to even have the team down 12 going into the locker room. And and you come out and it just seemed like, I know in the box score, the the Brad Davidson elbow doesn't necessarily, I mean, I guess it kind of does begin where that, that second half took a turn. It was, uh, that was the last time that Michigan trailed by double digits in the entire game. But just the um, more so than what the box score says, the emotional swing, you know, they, they felt like one of theirs, got, you know, got a raw deal. And I still, a couple of days removed for it. I, I'm still baffled by the idea that guy gets elbowed in the face and the offending team goes to the free throw line. Not it's nonsense. Still, yeah. <laughs> it still makes no sense to me, but it just, you, you drop, and, and Gonzaga, I think everyone's pretty, um, you know, it's been this way all year. Gonzaga and Baylor have been one-two all year and really haven't been challenged at all. But if you throw them, first of all, they're not playing in this Big Ten conference. They're playing patsies every night. And the second part about it is they come out and you you put them into that situation where they haven't played in three weeks, guess what? they're going to look bad too. And I don't know if those teams win that game. Gonzaga is a program that typically, like I said, usually when things get a little bit tough for them, the bottom sort of falls out when they actually play good contending type of teams. Um, Baylor, the jury's still kind of out on them because they're more of a recent revelation in terms of the college basketball elite. But this team's a contender, man. They are, um, they are, they are for real. They are to be feared. They can be, you know, you go through and you, you know, I did a bracketology thing today. Um, looking at where all these, these teams are projected to be. It's hard for me to sit there and say, Oh, that's a good draw for Michigan. Oh, that's not a good draw for Michigan. Eh, I don't care so much about this draw for Michigan because I think you put them up against any team in the country. And if Michigan plays God, even 85% of its best basketball, I think they could beat anyone they play. I also thought, you know, watching that game on Sunday, I know Isaiah Livers deservedly got a, a ton of the credit because he was obviously fantastic. But, man, in the second half when Hunter Dickinson just realized or or just, you know, I don't even know if it was a realization or just ended up happening, but, like, that Reavers and Potter had no business battling with him down low. Just absolutely <laughs> none. Zero rebounds but between the two of them. And, and, and it's, they're like 6'11 and 6'10. 
If you remember last year when I went nuts about the fact that in back-to-back games, John Teske combined for two rebounds. It's because he was going up against talent similar to what Wisconsin went up against with Hunter Dickinson. And, and the comparison I used on the hoops pod, Luke, was you know how Michigan football is like hell-bent on this idea of we're going to run the running back 30 times a game and he's going to get three yards of carry. Then at the end, he's going to pop off. I think it's kind of like that trying to box out Hunter Dickinson down low, where eventually <laughs> oh, yeah. big, strong is going to impose big, strong will. And I, Did like, you see that? What happened. Did you see the possession where uh, it didn't end up going to Dickinson? I don't think down low. It was a late possession. Michigan got a bucket. I can't remember who scored, but when you looked at the replay, um, they were fighting for position, Dickinson and Reavers. And Dickinson like had his arm out up top, and Reavers took a shot to the throat and pretty much just got taken out of the play. I mean yeah. – it, it, it was just it, it was it was that plus all the offensive rebounds, you know, that he just asserted his dominance. And and I understand he had a double double. And, you know, you look at the box score, and you'd be like, oh, OK, that's a you know, that's a nice game for Hunter Dickinson. But I don't think it really tells the story of how dominant he was in that second half. No, he's played flashier games, you know, the, the Maryland game, the first Minnesota game. That was a, a bring your lunch pail to work kind of performance, you know, three for nine from the floor did have that double-double, but all those rebounds at the end. And the other thing, and we I pointed this out early, he's a great passer. I mean, he, he does a great job of getting offensive rebounds, and if he has, doesn't have you know a shot to be able to put it back up, he does a great job of kicking it back out to the wings. That, the biggest possession of that game was an offensive rebound that he shot back out to Livers, who hit you know that huge three. I think his ability to kind of uh, facilitate, even when he's not grinding down low, uh, makes a big difference. Real quick, I, I wanted to just talk about Wisconsin. Because I think that this, there's been several, I, I've been somewhat critical of a few coaches in this league and Greg Gard's not a bad coach, but am I the only one who feels like they should be a lot better? I mean, they returned their entire team this year. I, I mean, them and I thought it would be them and Illinois and Iowa would be the big three with kind of Michigan and Michigan state, kind of that second tier, obviously, you know, the prediction game way off there. But I think you remember when Wisconsin had Bo Ryan, and they ran that we're going to run 35 seconds of a 35 second mm. shot clock. And they were good every year, but it wasn't until they finally got athletes and they realized, you know what, maybe we don't have to run 90% of a shot clock with Kaminsky and Decker and Nigel Hayes and Koenig. I mean, that was one of the best big 10 teams ever those two years in 14 and 15. I feel like with Greg guard there now, they've kind of reverted back to that old format. And I think it's the reason why Michigan was able to come back in that game because Wisconsin does not run an offense that is capable of running a team out of the gym. Michigan, with how they played offensively, even with Isaiah Livers being aggressive in the first half, probably should have been down by 15, 20 points, 30 minutes into that game. I mean, they couldn't make a shot. Wisconsin was throwing in a lot of shots. But when you have that kind of archaic Princeton style offense you keep teams in games and a team with the the capable scores that Michigan has they were able to claw their way back and, and I think that that was in a weird way it was a good matchup for Michigan because they could have they could have afforded to be a little bit rusty and still kind of scratch and claw their way back into that game just a weird observation I noticed with Wisconsin well, well Trice was Trice was is kind of the only guy that can really go get a bucket you know, on, on his own on That's that true, team have, and, and, the, and the freshman there, that, that freshman, um, I can't, I'm blanking on his name right now. He really impressed me. He had a couple of nice buckets there too, uh, in the second half, he was the Wisconsin Mr. Basketball there, but 
I, I mean, really, they just they they don't have those guys, you know. And that's probably why guard has reverted to that. You know, they're going to rely a lot on those pick and pops with Potter and Reavers on the outside because you're not getting the ball to those guys down low, you right. know. Which is weird. Potter looks like a guy that should be able to go and dominate on the block, but I don't know, just just not the way he played. Uh, real quick here. We, we got a comment in the section from Kyle Walney three said Joe Lenardi hasn't played OK State in the second round. Am I tripping or I thought OK State can't uh, play in the postseason this year? I thought that was the deal. I thought that was the deal. We yeah, can look it so, up. We're live here. Okay. It's, there's no shame in that. Yeah, because I thought it was a big deal that Cade Cunningham went there and they had a postseason ban, ban anyway. Yeah, that. Uh... That doesn't check out to me, but yeah, they're on uh, no no postseason tournament this year. And I'm reading the the headline from ESPN: Top recruit Cade Cunningham still going to Oklahoma State despite postseason bans. So yeah, I don't. Okay. Uh, you say an OK State appealed it. They are eligible until a ruling comes down, which won't be until April. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. Breaking news. I hey, thank you. Yeah, Kyle. I, 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 I didn't heard it. I, I wasn't even expecting to talk OK State basketball today. So, yeah. um, why you're not excited for Cade Cunningham, future Detroit Piston? Well, that's I got to compartmentalize that stuff. I can, that's not a Michigan <laughs> podcast topic. That's a that's a personal uh, a personal desire of mine that I hope to speak into existence. The, the the well, the Detroit Pistons are the darlings of social media right now. So, yeah, we got to. I mean, some good basketball being being played in the state of Michigan right now. You know, I, guess, I mean, except yeah. for except for one team. But uh, anyways, now <laughs> nah, womp, womp. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so we're looking at uh, Rutgers coming up on Thursday mm-hmm. for Michigan. Um, and do we have any news whatsoever on a potential rescheduling with Illinois or anything like that, or a second game with, with Michigan State that got missed out on, or are we going what Rutgers, yeah. Iowa, and Michigan State? Yeah, my understanding is that the priority is to get make sure you play everyone in the conference once, um, and I think they're going to have to move some dates around because I'm trying. I'm I'm looking at the mutual dates. Because I think Michigan and Illinois is obvi- like that's the big one, right? Right. Um, they might have to move a game around somewhere, or Michigan might have to play, excuse me, play a back-to-back somewhere, uh, because the mutual dates. I mean, Michigan plays on February 18th, so Thursday, the 21st, and then they have six days off after that. Uh, they won't play until the 27th. Um, Illinois has a game against Michigan State in that window on the 23rd. So maybe that gets moved around because Michigan state's not factoring into the big 10 title picture. And, and again, yeah, they, uh, Illinois hasn't played Michigan state yet either. So it's no, everyone's they're, they're I think they're going to have to move this around. Cause I don't see how yeah. it's going to work right now. Um, you know, if, if Michigan, especially with re- Michigan only having what, like four games left here, five games left. Yeah, there's five games left on the schedule. I'm thinking two. I think I'm thinking we get another two makeups somewhere, two to three. Um, yeah. But I just know there's not, there wasn't a whole lot of interest in playing, you know, rescheduling all of the games. And then you're looking at playing 11 games in the span of 22 days. Like that's just, mm-hmm. you talk about tired legs. You, you go from doing nothing to doing that. That's, I don't think anyone's going to sign up for that. So, yeah. I think well, the, and the Illinois, Big Ten would be hurting one of their best teams come tournament time. 
Well, and yeah, and you're looking for, again, let's call it what it is. Why are we playing college sports at all right now? Because there's a lot of money on the line. So the fact that, you know, I look at this, I, I think the Big Ten's really going to kind of treat this with kid gloves because this is a situation now where you haven't had a Big Ten team win a national title since since that Michigan State team in, in yeah. 2000. And, and right now you've got a couple teams probably at least two teams. I would think, I think Michigan and Illinois, to me, those are the two clear cut. It's not clear cut, but Ohio state's pretty damn good, dude. Ohio state's good too. Yeah. But I'm, I'm talking about, so what, do you, what have we talked about before with the Ken Palm threshold, top 10 offense, top 15 defense history says you got to have both to be a national title contender. I'm looking Let's at Ohio Campbell state Walker. at right. number four on offense and number 61 in defensive efficiency. Are they so that low? Okay. So there's, they're good, but it's, you know, you've got Michigan who's, who's seventh in offensive and defensive efficiency. Illinois is, is eighth on offense, 15 on defense. So they're kind of right on the edge of there defensively, but that would give me Iowa's threshold. I love it. Yeah. The, so, well, the, I mean, sixth in offense and 217th in defense. They're probably a bit better this year. They're number one, number one offense, number one, number 108 defense. So they're not even. That's the that's that that's the Fran McCaffrey special. That is amazing. Yeah, this is I, what's crazy because you see, I've been seeing these tweets in the last few weeks where people are saying, "Oh, Iowa is as far and ahead the betting fa- the betting favorite going to the tournament." I'm like, good luck. Why don't you just give your money to me or just yeah. why, go outside and light it on fire? Like, give it to charity, please. Uh, yeah, because I'm I'm and we've so we've talked about that from the beginning. Is you know I, I was I've been hammering that point for three years. They don't they. Gave up 104 to Brandon Johns and Xavier Simpson last year. Like yeah. good players, but like I mean, without Isaiah Livers, they looked like the 2016 Warriors. Uh, I, I have some strong thoughts about this because I think the scheduling in general from the beginning has been grossly mishandled. Um, a lot of people said why they should have pushed the tournament back a week. I get the NCAA tournament. I get that. The fact is there that's happened several times before with certain conference tournaments, and we've seen how teams have performed when they've had a full week off in between games. I mean, it affected Michigan in 2018. They won the, I mean, I know they made it to the national championship. They played like crap those first two games of the tournament and it took a miracle Jordan Poole shot for them to go to the sweet 16, what they should do. And look the big 10 tournament is a wonderful spectacle. And I, I understand why it's there. You have to have it there to a certain extent because you have the automatic bid unless you win the big 10 tournament. But this year, especially unless boo booey becomes Gary McNamara in 2006 and leads Northwestern to a big 10 tournament championship. I think pretty much every team that's in position to make the tournament out of the big 10 is going to make it uh, regardless of what they do in the conference tournament, what they should do just cancel the big 10 tournament and allow another week of games to be played. So Michigan isn't, you know, bouncing around from gym to gym playing 11 games in 20 days or whatever it is. And I know there will be people who say that's why are you accommodating one team? That's exactly what they did in football. That's the same thing they did. They changed the rules to allow Ohio state to play in the national championship, which by the way, I didn't have a problem with, but I think why I'm surprised no one's brought that up yet. But also, uh, it's not only that. It's the fact that you're going to have the, the Big Ten teams that are going to go to the tournament. They're going to be pretty much in quarantine in Indianapolis from the start of the right. Big Ten tournament all the way through until they get eliminated. Like, that is right. – it just seems like a long time. I feel like you you shouldn't do that. I feel like it's a, that's a bad idea. Like, I'd imagine they're going to go ahead with the Big Ten tournament because, as Anthony pointed out, 
why are we playing college sports? Because we want the money and, well, and so the revenue that comes with it. Here's something interesting too uh, that I forgot to bring up. And I think this was last, maybe Friday, uh, the NCAA announced that they were going to leave it up to these conferences. If, they're, if their automatic qualifier to the NCAA tournament is going to be the person who wins their conference tournament or the person who wins the regular season title. And I think the conferences have until the 25th or the 26th to decide if they're going to, how they're going to do that. But, you know, I, I see that being like the small, to me, for the small conferences, your horizon league, your Patriot league, like that's a no brainer. Right. You just send your regular season champ, get your best, get your best team in there. But I almost wonder if, and I don't think this will happen uh, because of the aforementioned reasons why cha-ching um, I almost wonder if that wouldn't be the better way to go about it. And instead of playing four games in four days in Indianapolis, where you're, you know, God, if you're a team like Michigan and you're going to make a run, you're pretty much going to be sequestered in Indianapolis for a month. Um, instead of playing those three or four games in that same amount of days, why not just add, tack an extra week out of the season, get your three makeups in, get the three most you know, important makeups to the schedule in, and then you call it, it is what it is. So again, I I don't, I don't see what the down, you can even play them in Indianapolis if you want. Um, But it, I I just, with this race shaping up the way that it kind of is, especially, you know, if Michigan goes out and beats Ohio state on Sunday, I don't see what the advantages of even holding a big 10 tournament are because outside of that, I mean, is anyone who else is, I feel like anyone in the Big Ten that's going to the tournament is kind of in right now. I don't I feel know if that, anyone's that, that's, necessarily that's on the bubble. Yeah, I mean, maybe a Maryland, you know, maybe, and I know we've we've cracked jokes, or you guys have cracked jokes, maybe a Michigan State, you know, but, like, besides <laughs> that, I, I know. Look, you know what, dude? It's growing up around – I know. I, I'm the one <laughs> guy left who's still like, uh, you know, I, I've been beaten too many times. But no, I, I I get your point completely, and I don't think they will well, do that. But Michigan also, State does have one thing going for them; they are ranked 69th on Kempom. Nice, nice. nice. But I I also think that um, <clears throat> sorry, lost my train of thought for a second. Again, <laughs> that's I, I've my bad. Doing, dude, I've been do, no, I've been doing that a lot lately. I might I don't know, maybe I have a brain hemorrhage or something. I need to control. Oh, sorry, don't joke about that. You're you're a no, you guys you guys go ahead. You guys go ahead and take it. I, I it was it was just it was just a random point about Michigan basketball and, and the kind of weird like you get this weird dilemma then if that happens where like and I, I, we, I made the comparison about the Tigers in two different World Series where Michigan playing eleven games in twenty two days and then potentially playing three days in a row in the Big Ten tournament, you almost get to a point where you'd it would almost be advantageous for them to lose a game because it's like man give them a few days off. It, you I ran into that same dilemma with the Tigers back in 2012, where it's like, man, they're up 3-0 on the Yankees. I don't want to have 10 days off and get swept in the World Series. Oops. So, I, you know, it is it is kind of that weird thing where I feel like, you know, it's set up for this team to be pretty drained. Now, like I said, they could play in somebody's backyard and I'd like their chances. But, uh, yeah, it is, it's kind of a, a weird quandary that this team finds themselves in. And it's no fault of their own. Nobody on this team tested positive. It's just the the – circumstances the sign of the times i guess so to speak good news can i, can I be honest with you too um and this might this might ruffle some feathers but i could care less if michigan wins the big 10 regular season title or the the big 10 tournament yeah what i've seen is a team that i think can win a national title yeah and i hope the schedule for them 
breaks in a way that allows them to kind of keep that momentum going and not like tire themselves out because I, I legitimately think it's crazy to think about um, when you consider all of the ingredients in place and this might be get ready for this maybe the hottest take I've ever dropped on this program this might be Michigan's most national title ready squad yeah. since Joan Howard was a player at Michigan I, I don't disagree. I, be, and, and I even said this a couple days ago where I think those two years, when they in 13 and 18, when they made it to the national championship, with the exception of when Stauskas hit a three from the corner to put him up 12 in the first half in, against Louisville, I knew that there was going to be a Goliath waiting at the end of the, at the, end of the road. I, I felt that way in 2018. Now, 2018, that March was so magical that I did have that feeling of like, they shouldn't win this game but they could win this game because things might just bounce their way. Uh, there is, and I look, I have a ton of respect for Gonzaga and that program Gonzaga and Baylor combined have been to one final four ever. So like they, these are not like a Villanova or a Duke of, of the past where you're going up against a team with experience and NBA talent. I think Michigan has probably just as much NBA, as much NBA talent on their roster as almost any other team in the country right now. So no, I don't, I don't think that's that scorching of a take. And there was also the, in 13, you also had the whole thing of, well, there's, there are a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. Like you kind of felt like at some point the, the lights might get a little bit too bright. And 18 was like, I said, a great team, fun team, but there were, there was a little bit of magic fairy dust that, that went into that run. This feels like a more seasoned team than either one of those. I, I agree with you. I'm cool. trying to think I like being agree with you though. Yeah, I, <laughs> that 13 team, I, I, man, that 13 team is tough for me, though, because they were so good, especially in the non-conference. Like, I understand they, they ended up losing on the road to Penn State that year. and just Go 6-6 six six down the stretch. I mean, yeah, took, right. Uh, that was that was the other t- thing that prevented me from being like, this team can win the whole thing, was they stumbled into the tournament, and then all of a sudden, really against VCU, the team that we saw yeah. from November to mid-January just showed up again. Like they were at one point the number one team in the country that year. Right. Yeah. And, and, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, maybe they got a shot. Now, when they were down 14 with eight minutes left against Kansas, I wasn't feeling so hot. But then, of course, you know, some, some pretty fun things happened after that. No, I mean, it's, we've talked about it with football a lot that uh, expectations are adjusted throughout the season, you know, that, that mm-hmm. the disappointment of losing at the end of the year when you may not have been favored to, to be in a game like that or, you know, to be in the conference championship, uh, race at the beginning of the year uh, does does hurt. Uh, but I think that this program in general, because it's not just a Juwan Howard thing. We're talking about a program that's been to a lot of sweet 16s, that's been to two national championships, that's won two Big Ten regular season titles and two Big Ten tournament titles. I think we're at a point now with this program where it's it's not unreasonable to be like, you know what, maybe Final Four is a realistic expectation. Because I, I don't think with Beeline, and Beeline was the man, but I don't think with Beeline that was ever really an expectation. Maybe in, in 13, maybe it was. Uh, 14 when, you know, Stauskas was really rolling and they kind of recovered from the McGarry injury maybe. But I think – Aaron if Harrison. Right, exactly. If we're at a point – I think if we're at a point now where – the program itself has earned the benefit of the doubt. Like we talked about that a little bit with Stu Douglas, where like, I think they kind of paved the way for uh, a program that it's not unreasonable for us to be like, you know what? Yeah. Let's flex our muscles and get back to a final four here. You know, there's been enough success here to, to believe that that's a potential thing year in and year out. Here's a question for you. Who's got more NBA talent, this team or that 13 squad? 
when you factor in, they had what Trey Burke, Stauskas, Hardaway. They had uh, Levert out there. I know McGarry had a little cup of coffee. Right. At the next level. There's a lot of revisionist history with it because people are like, oh my God, Levert and Stauskas and Burke were on the same team. Well, Levert, man, and he was like 85 pounds. Well, that's what I mean. I'm just, I'm just asking you to project like <sighs> what this team, because we know what that 13 team had. Well, this team right now has three that I know of with Wagner, Livers, and Dickinson. Um, it's hard to project, you know, the guys on the bench. I think Chandy's going to play in the NBA. I think there's, I, I'm, I think there is a place on an NBA roster for Chandy Brown. The energy that guy can bring, he's improved so much as a shooter. He's a great athlete. So that's four. I'm not saying he's going to be a star, but I bet you know, capable of having, like you said, with McGarry a cup of coffee. So that's he could be like like Charles Matthews if if Matthews didn't unfortunately tear his ACL in the potentially. The I think he there. might be a better shooter than Matthews was. Yeah, but yeah, I. I I'd say four. I mean, that, yeah, I guess that, that, uh, 13 team had what six, right. With the, the starting five and then a uh, Levert. I'll, I'll say five. I think the four that you mentioned, and then maybe a wild card somewhere like a, like a Zeb Jackson, like, um, you know, I still have, and this isn't even an I mean, Terrence Williams, we haven't talked about him a ton, but I think he hasn't gotten a lot of tick lately. Hey, kind of forgot about it didn't play at all on, a on Sunday. Yeah. Well, that kind of, uh, I think that's kind of coincided with Brandon Johns, like playing and Johns didn't play a ton Sunday either, but um, there, I remember Chris, I remember this one, cause this is the hoops pot I did when I was driving with a giant like toolbox in my truck down 94. We did the show where we're kind of talking about, um, you know, what the heck Michigan needs Brandon Johns to be better. And it seems like since we did that show, when he comes in, he kind of gives you a lift. So, and I think Williams was kind of eating into those minutes a bit. So um, speaking of that real quick, did you guys think on Sunday uh, against Wisconsin was the first time this year, Jawan didn't really try and maybe force a, a guy to get some extra minutes. He, he seemed to kind of just roll with what was working out there. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I think... a lot of times he'll, he'll kind of disrupt even some momentum and it's worked. I mean, I'm not saying, you know, anything like that, but he'll throw a guy in for a guy who's been good. But I mean, Austin Davis got some decent minutes, but when it was Dickinson time down the stretch, it was Dickinson. When Brandon John struggled when he came in, we didn't really see him much. You know, yeah. it, it seemed like the first time this year that Juwan's kind of tightened the rotation a little bit. I have a theory that his game plan changed mid-game in terms of how he was going to go about the rotations because you know there's that famous Mike Tyson quote of everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth I mm -hmm. think because there was a lot of speculation I read several you know uh, reliable media members who tweeted the idea that he was going to play a lot of guys because when you have that many guys who are rusty you might you might be more likely to play nine, 10 guys and see who has the hot hand on a particular game. It's, it's a weird, it's kind of almost like the, the first game of the season. Again, uh, he played eight guys and one of them only played four minutes. So I, I feel like he realized early on when they fell behind that if we're going to win this game, we're going to do it with our NBA guys. We're not going to have Terrence Williams giving us 10 minutes and, and six points. We got to get, it's the big three that you mentioned, Anthony with Wagner livers and Dickinson. Those are going to be the guys that are going to carry us. And I think because of that certain guys like Zeb Jackson, because, and I, again, I think Zeb Jackson's going to be awesome here. I, re I really do. He was a high recruit, but I think that Juwan at multiple occasions has really tried to insert Ze Zeb Jackson into the lineup to give him some confidence. And he just hasn't quite, gotten there i mean so i'm sure it's difficult you go from playing every minute in high school to 
coming on the bench or coming off the bench and playing five minutes and expected to put a couple threes in, but not even that second Minnesota game, even beyond that he's come in at points and just hasn't really delivered. And I think because of that, he's kind of ditched the idea of him being uh, a guy that you can throw into the rotation consistently and Terrence Williams. Yeah. I think, I think there were some mind games there. I think he was really trying to push Brandon Johns by giving Williams some more minutes in late November into December. I think after that, that Nebraska game, which where we talked about it, Anthony, I think that the rotations kind of switched and that role officially became Brandon John. This is still a deep team, but I think the potential idea of them being like, Hey, we're going to go nine, 10 deep. I think might be done. I think he's set with the, the kind of seven, eight guys that he has and why not? It's having a lot of success. Works for me. Works for him. Works for me. 14. Or, yeah. uh, the record says the record tells the entire story. Yeah. It's one of those things where, I mean, you can nitpick lineup stuff here and there, but I'm kind of at the point now where I just, you know, cover my eyes. I point at the standings and uh, you see what happens game by game. So yeah. I, this is, this is a good basketball team that they have all the ingredients are there. Everything is there. Every single thing is there. And uh, God, it's, you know, you want to see how this home stretch goes for them because even, you know, God, I mean, you're still waiting for them to lose a competitive game, which they haven't done. And state was their close game. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Michigan on Sunday played its closest game since December 13th. So right. it's, this team is is very not quiet in our sphere, in our realm. Like we know what's going on, but you you look at Gonzaga and Baylor getting all getting all this praise across the country for just obliterating teams, and Michigan is not so quietly doing that themselves too. So yeah, they deserve. They a, a lot of ranked teams too. Yeah, yeah. There's, oh god, a yeah, ton. They haven't they haven't played a team ranked lower than fortieth on Ken Palm since they played Northwestern. And then Nebraska was 118th. But other other than that, I mean, UCF, everyone throughout through there was like a top 100 opponent. And you get in the Big Ten play, and everyone's inside like that top 35. So they are earning it night in and night out. They're good. Again, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see what this NCAA tournament looks like in one location with no fans. I mean, there there are no. There's not going to be any geographical advantages to, oh, you're Gonzaga. You're going to start playing out West. Oh, you're Michigan. You've been selected as the one seed. You start in Cleveland. Like it's mm. all. I always thought that was overrated anyway. I, I, kind of thought, it. I mean, yeah. But again, it's all about, to me, the biggest thing is the draw. And right. you look at all these, these teams that, again, I haven't seen a, um, and it's everything is just so fluid right now, but I haven't seen a projection that makes me go, oh, Michigan might be in trouble here. I mean, you see games, possible games against some good basketball teams but no one where you're like Ugh, you know i want to stay out of uh you know stay out of baylor's region or i want to stay out of iowa's region or things like that like everyone wants to stay out of michigan's region yeah. that's the team they are this year only thing i'm going to be looking for because i think michigan's good enough to beat anyone on any given night is i the one thing i hope is that baylor and gonzaga are on the same side of the bracket because i i do know one thing I expect Michigan to be able to beat any one of these teams, but having to beat those two teams back to back, I think the advantage uh, out of the top three, I think there's, I think the top three are in a tier of their own Gonzaga Baylor and Michigan compared to the rest of the country. So whoever, whichever one of those teams is on the opposite side of the other two, I think is going to have a huge advantage. 
And I, I'll say one more thing here because I, you know, we're, we're, I would say we're still in the honeymoon period with Juwan Howard. Like I think back, I think the honeymoon period for Harbaugh to me ended after year two. And right at this point in 2016 with Harbaugh, we were talking about what an amazing job he was doing. Right. And that went sideways. And, and I've wondered to myself, are we going to have another similar situation where three Don't years? Don't do that to yourself. We're, yeah, we're I, gonna, I've done the same thing though, Chris, man. I can't help it. I'm jaded. And, <laughs> and I've tried, and I've, I've really, I have been the one of the last people to say, it's the great, you know, it's an amazing hire. Like a couple of weeks ago, people were posting that clip of Valenti talking about how Juwan was, you know, the worst hire ever. And again, I, I don't, I don't put much stake in that anyway. I don't understand why someone would immediately say that a guy's going to be a failure when he hasn't coached a game. But, but at the same time, say something like that. Right. Except, right, well, yeah, the thing, you're not getting the paycheck. As I, as I is, sling so we're not getting, my chair here. Right. <laughs> no, but it's, I, I am, I'm officially at the point now where I can say not only is this unit special, but this is going to become a trend. And, and and I think there's the Michigan basketball social media team is very smart because you see the videos they put out of the way he's communicating with these guys and the way that they're all in and just the way he talks to the media as well. I mean, this is a fierce competitor, but the one thing about Harbaugh, even at his best, and I don't, I'm, I hate to do a compare and contrast, but, they're very different people. The one thing, even at his best, Harbaugh's not a good communicator. I mean, he's always been this, this quirky dude who kind of talks about whatever he wants to talk about. Now, if they were going 12-1, and one, nobody would care. The fact is we notice it now because they went 2-4 and four this year. Uh, Juwan is, is uh, the antithesis of that. Great communicator, good quote, great leader. Um, as critical as we were and should have been about the handling of the Harbaugh contract situation, Ward Manuel's hiring of Juwan Howard may end up being like an all-time great move that would go against so many of these moves. Because like I, I think our biggest fear was that Juwan would be what Patrick Ewing is to Georgetown, which is like, I mean, ugh, this is brutal, but like a glorified mascot, right? Like a guy who's like, hey, remember when he played? I know, I know that's mean, but it's like, remember when he played here? Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. It's like all those parts in the new Star Wars movies where they just throw an X-Wing in there because I know what that is. It's like, it, I, I was worried it would be that. Um, it has Alan, Alan Trammell. Yeah, exactly. Where, it, yeah, where, where the Tigers marketed, hey, we got a new manager because all their players sucked. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it is different here. And I think that- it has kind of worked with Memphis though, too. Like that's the thing. That's it's, true. That's the like a one. huge gamble, you know. That's that's the other one, uh, and it, it is true. Like I remember one one take that somebody on this podcast had was that Jawan Howard would not have gotten the call by Michigan if he didn't play here, and you were right. That's not wrong. It just happened to be that he knew what he was doing. It's like it's the same thing. Like Aaron Boone doesn't get the call by the Yankees if he doesn't hit a walk off home run in Game Seven of the 2003 ALCS, but he's done a pretty good job there. I just, yeah, I listening to this guy talk and, and, you know, the, the mic, it's, it's almost as if sometimes having your foot in the door somewhere can be beneficial to you. Right. But it's it, even <laughs> with all that, the, like his resume was great, but at the same time, you go from a guy who had never been an assistant coach anywhere to a guy who'd never been a head coach anywhere. I mean, it was as great as it's been you. And as much as people like digging up old takes, I'm sorry. It was a big risk. It was a big, like it was you, you hire a guy who'd never coached uh, an AAU game before. And you put him in the middle of one of the most competitive conferences in the country. It was the gamble of gambles. And so far it's, it's paid off in dividends. It's been pretty unbelievable. And, and I know the season's far from over, but 
for the time being, we got to acknowledge like how impressive the job is that he's done so far. Juwan's almost been like a like a movie character coach, you know, it's, almost fictional weird, the, the way he's been able to do it because it's like like in these movies, you know, you you bring in like your own culture, right? And you change it completely or whatever and and it's all these like values that you have and the game is almost secondary like how you can teach it. You know, I think of like like coach Carter in that sense, you know. Yeah. He, he just ran the guys and had all these, you know, different defenses with with the stories and he's like, you know, what's your greatest fear and stuff like that. But that's that's honestly what Juwan has done. He's a, he's obviously a fantastic basketball coach. I'm he's got fantastic staff right now. Right. But, but it's like, you know, that, that, that quote that he had with the family and we've heard so much about it and the amount the players have bought in, I think that's really put them over the top. It really has in a short amount of time been almost um, movie-esque. Where did I go? Yeah. I was about to say, you... yeah, we have the charger this week, by the way, people, Luke told us off the, off they the air, so we don't have to worry about that, but uh... yeah, well, maybe we just, <laughs> it, it couldn't, it couldn't just be seamless. There's always something here. Yeah. So Ridiculous, um, well, Luke, we're not, our feelings aren't hurt if we can't see you. Um, you're frozen. <laughs> yeah, we're, frozen we're still picking Twitch. up audio. I can't see you anything. And we're, you're just gone. Uh, why don't you just, uh, yeah. All right. We're just close this yeah. out. Chris, I, I think Chris so- where can we find you on social media, man? Uh, at uh, Castellani 2014. Uh, I talk about this a little bit on my other show tomorrow. There is, um, I'm in the planning stages of a plan regarding, uh, kind of what I'm, I'm looking at for when I'm going to be coming back to social media and Twitter. I've been working through some stuff, but you can follow my other show at Locked on Tigers. That's at Locked on Tigers on Twitter, available wherever podcasts can be found. I have a YouTube channel as well uh, where I review movies. And I just did a fun thing on Valentine's Day. I'm, I might make this a series actually where I play and react to old videos that I made. And by old, I mean like pre-Tigers rant videos. So like, you know, the worst of the worst essentially. Uh, so I'm having fun with that. Uh, and also in Anthony, I'm sure you'll do it, but I'll say it anyway, rate us, review us on iTunes for maize and brew. I uh, really appreciate you guys doing that. We've gotten some good feedback recently, uh, tumultuous times, but we're, we're really proud of the content we're putting out. I'll pass it over Not to you, Anthony. I've been, t- I've been talking a lot tonight, but you know, you guys knew what the job was when you hired me. So go ahead, <laughs> go ahead buddy. That's why I hired you. The more you talk, the less I do, which people would be shocked to know that that's fine with me. Um, <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Follow the website at Maze and Brew, where wherever you get your shows. I mean, it's it's 2021. You know where you get your podcasts now. I don't need to run through that every time. Um, but yeah, we are on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, all those places. Um, leave us a review, like you said. Um, Luke, are you still with us? I'm here. Okay, cool. Um, well, that's that's just all. Not, I, I don't know. My video just just said nope. To hell with you, buddy. No, well, you know. These are, uh, as Chris says, tumultuous times. So why don't you, uh, why don't you take us out, my friend? Yeah. Play us off. Yeah. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L-U-K-E-G-H-I-A-R-D-I. Also follow the Brewcast Twitter page at Brewcast Show. And uh, appreciate you guys being with us on Twitch, uh, live in the comments here. Always a whole lot of fun to get you guys in as we're usually on Twitch every Monday at 7.30. Uh, got pushed back here this week, but for the most part, Monday at 7.30s will be on Twitch. As Anthony said, you know, check out the podcast, leave a review, rate it. Man, give us a comment, give us some feedback. Uh, we love you guys, appreciate you listening. So uh, if, if you are listening on the podcast, remember that we are on Twitch. We'd love to have you part of the conversation live as well. So for my friends and my partners, Anthony Broom, Chris Castellani, I'm Luke Yardy. We'll see you next week on Brewcast.